Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host today, Ed Montana. As you can see, I am flying solo today. We are having some tropical storm come over the great city of Houston and surrounding areas, and Alex is out swimming in it. I'm just kidding. I don't know where Alex is. Alex could not make it today. So, you get Positive Sports Podcast light with only one host. The host with the long shaggy hair and the wings and all that other stuff that my hair is doing. I'm becoming a hairy mess. I probably should shave. I probably should get a haircut. But you know what? <clears throat> I just don't feel like it. You know why? Because I'm too caught up in all of this sports that's going on. This is, this is, this is too much fun. I've got <clears throat> the NBA and NHL playoffs. The NHL's in the Stanley Cup Finals. Tampa Bay and Dallas tied at one. A very exciting series so far. A very good series. Um, the NBA is down to the final four. You've got the Lakers and Nuggets on one side. The Celtics and Heat on the other side. MLB coming down the stretch. Only about five games left for every team. So they should wrap up the season this week. And we will get our playoff matchups. And week two of the NFL. So I don't have time to shave. I don't have time for a haircut. I don't have time for any of this manicure, pedicure, primping and propping. I've got to watch sports. I just don't have time. So without much further ado, I know you guys don't want to talk hockey. Uh, so we'll go into basketball. Look, I think the Clippers are cursed. I think they are living through the curse of Donald Sterling. I think that Donald Sterling is still a Clippers fan. He still roots for him. And I think that franchise is now cursed. Because with the amount of talent that they have on that team, for them to not make it to the conference finals, it's a it's amazing. It's a travesty, really. And you know, they've got one of the best players in the league in Kawhi Leonard. One of the best supporting stars in Paul George, and really probably a star in his own right, not just a supporting star. They had great complimentary role players, Patrick Beverly, um, and, and yet they still could not make it work. They could not get past the Denver Nuggets, and I don't want to take anything away from the Nuggets. The Nuggets did a fantastic job. Uh, Murray and Jokic are proving to be uh, a very, very formidable one-two punch for anybody to deal with. And I said this before the playoffs started, that they were kind of flying under the radar and I thought they would make some noise, and they are. Um, I was really worried when they got behind with uh, Utah. They looked kind of disjointed and almost uninterested. But they found it halfway through that series, uh, beat a tough Jazz team, uh, found it halfway through the Clippers series, really, because they, they weren't doing so hot there either. Um, but then eventually just kind of took over. And the Clippers just fell apart. I mean, three times with double-digit leads uh, in the second half, up 3-1 in the series, and they blew it. And it really kind of begs the question now. You know, we, we, we gave Kawhi Leonard all of the praise last year for that Toronto World Championship. But, you know, Toronto was a pretty good team this year without him. And, um, you know, obviously that shot that he made to uh, clinch the series against the Sixers, I think kind of catapulted his popularity and his importance. And look, maybe Kawhi isn't 
the man, right? Maybe he's just maybe he's just a really good star who still needs help. Um, and sure, this is a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, but look, the the fact of the matter is that three times he had double digit leads in games with his team up three one in the series, three two in the series, tied at three in a game seven, and he couldn't pull them through. So, you know, it kind of begs the question: like, either he wasn't either he wasn't all in anymore or maybe he's just not that great maybe maybe he just needs all of that supporting cast remember in San Antonio he was really good as well but he had a lot of help too right that was a team that was stacked full of stars and you know Paul George look he was good in Indiana but he was the only guy there he kind of had to be good they weren't I mean they never you know they didn't it's not like they went to the finals every year uh, granted, they had to, you know, run into teams led by LeBron James, be it with the Heat or the Cavaliers. But <clears throat> again, it, it, he's not a real true blue superstar. Went to OKC and, you know, rode shotgun next to Russell Westbrook, but they didn't really go anywhere. So is Paul George really the man as well? Don't get me wrong; it's a really good team, very talented, but. Maybe maybe we just put a little too much expectations on them, and I think they're cursed. <laughs> I'm sure Clipper fans love hearing that. So now we're in the conference finals. Um, the Nuggets and the Lakers. The Lakers have won the first two games of the series. They're the more rested team. They have not had to battle very hard through these playoffs, whereas the Nuggets have gone through um, two seven-game series, being down 3-1 twice. Um, the Lakers look very much the part of someone who's going to go to the, of a team that's going to go to the Western, uh, to the NBA finals. Um, but look, we probably, we said the same thing, uh, about Denver not being able to match up with the Clippers and with Utah when they were down three, one. So don't count them out. I don't count them out at this point. Uh, they're playing good basketball. You know, AD made a, an unbelievable three point shot at the buzzer for game two. Otherwise, that's a Denver win. So, uh, you know, they are really one one bad shot away from, from being 1-1 in this series. And those things can change pretty quickly. And again, the, the Nuggets have shown their mettle. They proved it last year. They were tough in the playoffs last year. And they're proving to be even tougher this year in the playoffs. So don't count them out. I don't count out Jokic and Murray. The key is... Porter has to contribute. Porter has to be that third leg to really balance out that offense and give the Lakers defense something to worry about. On the flip side, the Lakers really need uh, Kuzma to be on board making shots and also give them that third option so that they can really uh, they can really run rough shot on the offensive side of the ball. So it's going to be an interesting series the rest of the way. On the other side... You've got Boston and Miami, and Miami won the first two games of the series. An incredible block at the at the very end of the game in Game Two, I believe it was, by I don't remember his name. Bo is what they're calling him. Adebayo, Adebayo, just a ridiculous block on Jason Tatum. I thought it was a slam dunk all the way. I mean, it, the lane just kind of parted for him. And then all of a sudden, from the weak side, Adebayo came over and just an incredible block, pretty much at the rim. Um, 
just an unbelievable play. If the Heat go on and win the NBA Finals, that that block will be right up there with the one LeBron James had against the Warriors in Game 6 um, a few years ago. It was just an unbelievable defensive play at an absolutely key moment in the in the game and uh, and really saved the game for him. Put him up 2-0. The Celtics came back in Game 3 and, and played the kind of Celtics basketball that really makes you nervous if you have to face them. Uh, that Game 3 was vintage Celtics. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, fantastic job. The supporting cast was there. It, it just worked all the way through. On the defensive end, they were better. They were able to lock down Jimmy Butler for the most part. Um, really, uh, really, really good Boston... That performance was the kind of performance that makes you think the Celtics are going to win the NBA championship. I knew they would come back strong and that they would that they would uh, that they were not going to roll over uh, just because they were down 2-0. Uh, but man, that was that was vintage Celtics and that team. They play like that, um, man. Oh man, that's going to be they're going to be really really hard to beat. Uh, in fact, I don't see anyone beating them when they play like that. Not the Heat, not the Lakers, not the Nuggets. The, that Celtics, that version of the Celtics is NBA championship material. Uh, everyone seems to be wanting to see a classic Lakers-Celtics matchup. Um, I don't know if we're going to get it. The Heat are still a very formidable uh, opponent. The Heat have so many options um, you know, you've got Dragic, uh, who's who's playing just out of his mind. Jimmy Butler, who is, yeah. Jimmy Butler is playing unbelievable ball, really. Uh, Duncan Robinson's shooting the ball well. They, they've got, they play solid defense. They are a solid basketball team. And, you know, I, I thought both of these series would go seven games. And I still think they're going to go seven games. I don't see... You know, I don't see any one of those four teams just kind of rolling over at any point. I think even if they get down 3-1, you can see a battle back to a Game 7. Um, and obviously, you know, Denver's got a, Denver's kind of in a must-win in this next game against the Lakers. Um, Boston's kind of in a must-win, too, because if they go down 3-1, that's tough. But, again, every I think every game is going to be close, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how this plays out going forward, uh, we could be we could be looking at an NBA Finals matchup the next time uh, we do this podcast next week, um, or we could be you know very close to Game Sevens in both, which would be a blast. There's really nothing better than Game Seven in in sports. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to baseball. So baseball, we've got about five games left for all the teams in this massive 60-game season we've played. Remember, there's eight teams that are going to make the playoffs. So it'll be the top two in every division plus the next two best records. Basically, with 16 teams making it in a 30-team league, you can figure, you can do the math here. We're going to get a team right at 500 that is going to make the playoffs or maybe even a team below 500. It's not looking that way right now. Uh, it looks, you know, the way it sits right now, everyone that's going to make the playoffs is above 500. But you never know what could happen here in the last few days. 
Um, starting in the American League, Tampa Bay has been pretty much the class of the AL East. Now, that being said, the Yankees have played well. As also, the problem for the Yankees has been injuries. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, similar to last season, it seems they've been um, they've been hit by the injury bug. Even if, even in this very short sixty game season, Aaron Judge hasn't played much. Stanton hasn't played at all. I don't think um, they've had different players for hurt. Uh, Torres has been on the IL. So the Yankees have suffered through some injuries and. But they still, uh, they've clinched the playoff spot. So they are going to make the playoffs. And look, they're still 31-23, and 23, right? So it's not like they've played terrible baseball. Um, back to our conversation from earlier in the year, whether any team would win 40 games. Um, the Dodgers look close. Tampa Bay's at 36-19 and 19 right now. So they may make it, but they may not. They've got the best record in the American League. Um, in the AL Central, oh, in third place in that division at 28 and 26, again, just over 500 is Toronto. They would be in one of those wild card spots. Uh, moving on to the Central, you've got the White Sox and the Twins. Alex's pick of the White Sox is looking really good right now because the White Sox, the White Sox can flat out mash. They can hit with anybody. Minnesota's the same way. It'd be fun to see them. Uh, you know, clash in, a, in an ALCS. I don't know that it'll work out that way, but it would be a lot of fun because, it, you know, for those of us that, for those those people out there that, that like uh, offense, you're going to get a lot of it with those two teams. I mean, it is insane. It'll be very interesting to see how they fare in the postseason. Generally, pitching tends to win out, but with a shorter season, you know, you're not going to get these guys coming into the playoffs as fatigued and as dinged up as you normally would. So it's possible that this would be the year where an offensive team really kind of makes a run through the playoffs. The playoffs are a little bit longer, which makes it harder. Uh, but again, it, it's it's a shorter season. So I think the hitters will have more of an advantage going into the postseason as opposed to other years. Third place in that division is the Indians, and at 30 and 24, they're basically a lock to make the playoffs. They'll get that first wild card spot. In fact, I I can't see how they wouldn't. Um, yeah, they they're gonna they're gonna get it because the only people, the only uh, teams that are not the other teams that are in a wild card spot aside from Toronto. Seattle and there's six games under 500. So I guess Cleveland's going to clinch that playoff spot today uh, with a win by them or a loss by Seattle. Uh, and then out west, the Oakland A's have already clinched the AL West over the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros are very pedestrian, 27 and 27. The Oakland A's 33 and 20. So they've had a very good season. Very tough team at home. Um, now Houston is an interesting story. Only in that, obviously, there's a lot of eyes on them, and they're not hitting well. Their pitching staff is just about a mess. Um, they've, they've, God, they have to have used about 15 pitchers this year. It seems like, or 20 pitchers. It seems like every day they're throwing a new, a new arm out there from the bullpen. They, they, they've got a lot of arms, but not a lot of experience. A lot of guys made their major league debuts this year with the Astros. And, um, and Justin Verlander is done for the season. So 
it, it is a dicey situation. The Astros, even though I think that's a very good team on paper, has struggled this season. Um, I don't know if it's kind of the the teams are playing them tougher because of the whole cheating scandal or if it's just a short season and they're not really into it or I don't know what it is but they they're not they're not what we thought they were before the season started the talent on paper is not translated to the talent on the field or the production on the field I should say um, like I mentioned Seattle's third in that division at 24 and 30 uh, they're they're going to be out. So it looks like we've got our eight teams pretty much set in the American League. Uh, Toronto is uh, in the last wild card spot at twenty eight and twenty six. Uh, Seattle, like I said, twenty four and thirty. So you're looking at a four game difference there. It's pretty hard to make up four games with six to play. So it can happen, but it's very unlikely. So I think we've got our eight teams. If I'm not mistaken, it would go <clears throat> Tampa Bay, Toronto, if the season ended today. The White Sox and uh, the White Sox. And, well, actually, it would be Tampa Bay and Houston. White Sox and the Blue Jays. Um, <clears throat> Oakland. Uh, Oakland would be in against at three. They would be in against... The Indians, uh, and then you'd have the Yankees and the Twins. So, pretty interesting stuff. The playoffs, I think, would be a lot of fun in the American League. You've got a lot of teams that really could go a long way. Uh, like I said, Tampa Bay's got a ton of pitching. Um, they do that bullpenning thing better than anybody, so they can take their one and two starters and pitch them on a normal five days rest. Uh, which would be an advantage, I think. And then um, you're looking at <clears throat> a solid bullpen as well. The Yankees Yankees need to come, overcome some injuries, really. Uh, and then the White Sox and Twins uh, are teams that can really mash. Uh, the A's are really good. Cleveland's got a lot of pitching. Uh, the like And back to the A's, you know, the A's are good all the way around. The Astros, eh, you know, they the Astros have the talent. It's just a matter of if they can hold up uh, the pitching. Uh, the pitching behind them is is the real issue for them. Um, so, you know, we're looking at a very interesting playoffs in the American League, and it'll be here before you know it. In the National League, in the National League, things aren't so clear. I'm going to start out west because that's the only place where it is clear. Um, and the, the Dodgers at 38 and 16 are likely going to win 40 games. Um, they have had a fantastic season. Uh, there's, there's not enough superlatives that you can throw out there for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are just a well-built baseball team. They've got depth. They've got pitching. They've got bullpen. They've got it all. They really look like, like the kind of team that could make a run all the way through. They're the favorites. They've been the favorites, and they're going to continue to be the favorites until someone knocks them off. They, they just look absolutely stacked. The pleasant surprise this year has been the production of the San Diego Padres. And the Padres have done it mostly, mostly with hitting, but their pitching is getting better as the season goes on. And they did pick up Mike Clevenger from Cleveland in a deal uh, at the trade deadline. 
So, you know, San Diego's looking pretty pretty darn good. Those are the two best records out in the National League. And so you really have to you really have to think um, those two teams are on a collision course uh, to meet each other at some point. Uh, aside from all the times they face each other during the season, it's going to be fun to see if if they meet up in the playoffs. It's going to be fun because you'll have the experience of a Dodgers team that's been in two of the last three World Series against a really young, uh, inexperienced Padres team. That's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. There are other teams that will certainly have something to say about about that before we go ahead and stamp that as the likely LC, uh, NLCS matchup. In the East, you have Atlanta with a four-game lead over the Marlins and a five-game lead over the Phillies. Atlanta's going to win the East. Um, they, they've, been, they've been great all year. Again, that's a team that is also just getting better as the season goes on. Um, they're just, they're a good squad. They're stacked just like they were last year. They've got another year of experience under their belt. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Um, and then in the central, you've got Chicago at 32 and 22 up four and a half on St. Louis and the Reds, uh, and five and a half on Milwaukee. So the central is going to get won by the, by the Cubs, but the battle for the second place spot in both the East between the Marlins and the Phillies should be interesting. Um, and in the Central between St. Louis, the Reds, and Milwaukee. I think in the East, I think the Phillies are going to overtake the Marlins. Um, the Marlins have played above their pay grade, right? They, they've done an excellent job this year. Uh, they had the, the uh, week off or... 10 days off because of COVID early in the season. But since then, you know, they, they've, they've continued to play well. And they, you know, they've got a lot of good young talent. I think they may, they may squeeze into that last playoff spot. But as far as making it in, in terms of being the second place team, I don't think so. The Phillies are starting to play better. Their pitching is coming around. Their hitting is coming around. They've improved as the season has gone on. A couple of shaky wins here and there. A couple of shaky losses here and there, games that they kind of threw away, it felt like. But they're still very good, and they've got a lot of talent on that team. I, I'm going to expect that this week they will overtake the Marlins. It's only a one-game difference. I'm not I'm not speaking anything crazy here. Um, but I think the Phillies will take that second spot. In the Central, the, like I said, the Cubs are going to win the Central. Um, and that, that team is playing well. Uh, not hitting as well as uh, as they would like, but their pitching has been great, and their uh, their bullpen has been fantastic. So they're really looking um, they're looking like a team that's geared up for the playoffs. If their hitting comes around, they're going to be tough to beat. I expect St. Louis to hold on to that second spot and nudge out the Reds. And the um, and the Brewers, and just out of curiosity, let's see who, what the what their schedule looks like here in this last week of the season. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's pretty easy. So coming down the stretch, they've got Kansas City, and then they've got Milwaukee. So maybe it's not that easy. So that series should really determine everything for them in terms of uh, getting into the playoffs or or not. Um, Milwaukee, on the other hand, 
they have, um, you know, obviously they've got a big set with the uh, with the Cardinals, uh, but then they play Cincinnati as well. So they've got it really tough. Uh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to really battle through and earn their way in. Um, and right now, you know, they're one game under 500. So it's a real it's a real push for them uh, to make the second spot in the essential, but also to make the the wild card spots. The Reds and Milwaukee and the Twins. Now the Twins, you would think the Twins don't have anything to play for, but you know there's seeding involved, and so they will be playing kind of. I don't want to say playing hard. They're always playing hard, but they're 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 not gonna take their foot off the gas because you know they're trying to make sure they get in and get a good spot in the playoffs. So. It's not going to be easy for them either. It should be very interesting. Again, I feel like the Cardinals are going to pull through and and take that second spot. And then it, it comes down to the two wild card spots. My computer is frozen. So let's see what it says. Because in the National League, it certainly gets a little dicey. Maybe they're not going to show me this game. Maybe my computer is just done working for the day. How about that? How about that? I should be done working for the day as well. Um, <clears throat> when you're looking at the last playoff spot, uh, you've got, as of right now, you would have Cincinnati at one game over 500 and the Phillies at 500 getting in. Milwaukee is one game under 500. The Giants are also one game under 500, and a little bit further back, you've got the Rockies, five games under 500. So, and St. Louis is one game over, Cincinnati is one game over, and Cincinnati has less games to play. So it is awfully close between the Marlins and the Phillies, whoever doesn't end up second in that division, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, whoever doesn't end up second in that division, and then San Francisco, and then much further back, of course, you've got Colorado. San Francisco has probably the easier road simply because they have to play teams that are not really in the chase anymore. So they've got the Rockies uh, right now. And then they finish off, well, they finish off with San Diego. I take it back. But they've got three games left with Colorado. So they could, you know, if they could win those games and split with San Diego, uh, you're looking at San Diego really might not have much to play for other than being the difference between being the two seed or the three seed. Um, you know, if they can go five and two over, over these last seven games, uh, you know, that would, that could potentially move them into a, a playoff spot. So it is going to be very interesting at this point though, I'm going to say Atlanta, Philadelphia, first two spots in the East, Chicago, St. Louis, first two spots in the central Dodgers and San Diego, first two spots in the West. And then the wild cards I think are going to be Miami and Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's going to hold on. Like I said, they've got it a little bit easier and they have less games to play. So it should be pretty interesting. You know, Cincinnati and Milwaukee are tied in the loss column, but Cincinnati has two more wins. So, and Milwaukee has a hell of a schedule the rest of the way. They Theirs is packed. So it's going to be tough for them to, I think, leapfrog over uh, the Reds. But again, it should be pretty interesting. As far as the matchups, 
I think it's pretty much worthless to look at the matchups right now. I think we know who the top four seeds are, but as far as who they're going to face, it's a it's a crapshoot because we don't even know who's going to get in. Los Angeles is going to be the one seed. The Padres will likely be the two seed. Atlanta and Chicago are going to go back and forth between the three and the four. And then who knows who five through eight is going to be because we just it, it they're all so close. I don't know if this will work out this way every year um, with a full 162-game schedule, but it is quite interesting this year, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, these games are, you know, just as exciting as any other year. It's what I've been telling people all along. At the end of the day, whether it's a 60-game schedule or a 162-game schedule, when you get down to the playoff crunch, everyone gets into it. I'm into it. I know I'm a bit of a sports junkie, so maybe I go overboard, right? Maybe maybe it's easier to get my interest than someone else. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be quite the week this week uh, coming down the stretch, and I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy my coffee. Moving on, let's look at week two of the NFL. I don't know whether to go with overreaction uh, Monday after the NFL, after the weekend of the NFL, or just talk about some of the incredible things we saw this weekend. I'm going to go with overreaction um, after week two. My overreaction uh, for week two is the Eagles are terrible. They're going to go 0-16 this year. They're 0-2 after losing at home pretty convincingly to the Rams, 37-19. Look, I know everyone's going to, everyone in Philly has got to be ready to jump off a bridge um, with the performance of the Eagles over the first two weeks of the season, losing in week one to the Redskins, uh, I'm sorry, to the Washington football team, can't call them Redskins anymore, to the Washington football team, and then um, getting handled pretty easily by the Rams. And... Eagle fans, don't jump off a bridge just yet. I think you guys are going to be okay. A, you play in a mediocre division, right? It's not like you're going to have to chase a team that's going to go 12-4 and four or 13-3. and three. Likely, the winner from your division is going to be 10-6, and six, maybe even 9-7. and seven. You, you, you're, not, you're not even two games out. You're only one game out at this point. So you're still in business, right? Two, the offense will get better. I don't... It, look, it is tough to play against that Rams defense. That Rams defense is a lot better than we gave it credit for when we did the preseason show between Alex and I. Um, the Rams are, defensively, are I think a very good football team. And really, offensively, I think they're a good football team as well. They're showing that they made some adjustments in the offseason where they're really good. Their secondary is better than we thought. Their defensive line is, it, it's just, it all starts with Aaron Donald. But there's a lot of guys in there that are that are tough and they get to the quarterback and maybe it's all disruption caused by Aaron Donald. I don't know. But it sure seems like they've got guys around the football all the time and guys coming for the quarterback all the time. There's pressure constantly. And so you're not going to face that every single week. Um, Carson Wentz will get better. He makes good decisions overall. Don't jump off the bridge just yet. I know you guys are overreacting. I know you guys are 
have already written this team off. I haven't heard from my cousin Jay in, in at least a week. So I know he's already done with football season. He's probably looking at, I don't know, the MLS or something, wondering what he can root for next because he's already written them off. But don't write them off just yet. That's still a good football team. A couple of weeks of rough start, no big deal. They'll be back. and They'll, they'll be fine. Um, <clears throat> my other overreaction. Uh, well, this is not an over... I don't think this is an overreaction. Russell Wilson's the MVP. I'm about to I'll tell you right now. Russell Wilson's the MVP. That, that guy is... I mean, he's he has come out of the gates on fire. And he's got weapons all over the field. He That team looks stacked. And I think he's going to win the MVP. He's already off to a great start. He's got a lot of good people around him. I know I've said this already. But they were super impressive again this week in a very entertaining game on Sunday night against the Patriots. Um, the Seahawks look like the real deal. And with all of the injuries that San Francisco is going through, and we'll get to them in a second, uh, you know, it's looking like, and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to just poo-poo the Cardinals and, and say that they're not a contender. But, I mean, the Seahawks look good. And they look good on both sides of the ball. That is going to be a tough football team to beat. And Russell Wilson is going to win the MVP. And that's not an overreaction. That's the truth. You can write that one down. Um, the Patriots, again, look good. Uh, I thought it was a very entertaining game. Very difficult to go up to Seattle and win. And they played, you know, they played them, you know, they played them solid for four quarters. It was a good, good, good football game. Um, and look, Cam Newton fits in well. Um, he gives he gives Belichick a couple more plays to add to the playbook that he didn't have with Tom Brady, and I think he's enjoying that. And uh, you know he's he he's proving not that he really needed to, but he's proving how great of a coach he is because he uses the assets that he has. Right? He's you know Cam Newton is a threat on just about every play to run with the football. The uh, you know he, he's throwing the ball well. He's making good reads. Julian Edelman somehow continues to get open. He got open deep. He got open over the middle. He got open short. I mean, it's just he is catching balls everywhere. And uh, offensively, they, they look really good. Defensively, they have some they have some some holes to plug. Um, but again, it's hard to tell because. They played against the Dolphins, who are not a very good offense. They played against Seattle, which is a very good offense. So it's kind of hard to tell, but you can tell that defensively they're trying to find their way. Um, but they're a good, they're a good solid football team. Uh, now on to the funny stuff. If you're going to talk funny stuff, there's only one. I mean, there's one funny thing that is funnier than anything else, and that is the Atlanta Falcons onside team, their hands team, or whatever you want to call it. What were they doing? What on earth were they doing? Look, everyone knows, it's funny how this works, right? Everyone knows this. The ball must travel 10 yards before the kicking team can touch it. The ball must travel 10 yards before the kicking team can touch it. The ball must travel 10 yards before the kicking team can touch it. 
See, it all depends on how you say that statement. And apparently the way the Falcons say it is, the ball must travel 10 yards. <laughs> and that's where they stop. But the Cowboys said the sentence, the ball must travel 10 yards before we can touch it. And as soon as it crosses 10 yards, we're touching it. That's how they read that rule. That's exactly how they read it. And the Falcons did not read it that way. How you let that little slow roller get 10 yards going as slow as it was and and have a Dallas Cowboy player be the closest one to the ball, I'll never understand. There were two Atlanta players that crossed the 10 lines, right? Got close because they were going to blow somebody up. And then when they realized the ball wasn't going through, they just stopped. They just stopped. And they let three Cowboy players go by them, one of which was literally inches from the ball. He was diving on the ball as it was crossing the yard marker. And the Atlanta players were waiting for it to go 10 yards. As slow as it was going, you could have hopped on it at, oh, I don't know, 8 yards or 9 yards. I mean, it. The, the Dallas kicker set it up. He didn't even put it on a tee. The ball looked like it was dead sitting on the 35-yard line or 40-yard line, whatever the kickoff line is. The ball looked like the the ball looked like the game was over. That's how that's how uninterested the ball looked. And that's what he kicked. And he kicked this slow rolling thing. And I don't know if it was me, but it looked like it was spinning the wrong way for it to all of a sudden curl the way it did. And as soon as it crossed Before it crossed the 10-yard mark, there was a Dallas player in the air going for it. While the Atlanta players were still looking at it, waiting for it to go 10 yards. Just an absolute catastrophe. And look, the the Cowboys aren't completely out of the woods either. Because what was Mike... Here's another funny moment. Mike McCarthy scores a touchdown to make it 39-30. And this knucklehead, which I don't know what he's doing. He this is two weeks in a row now. He's he's bungled a call or you know gone for it the wrong way. This knucklehead at thirty nine thirty decides to go for two instead of one. What? What are you doing, Mike? There's like five minutes left in the game. And now you force your, you're going to take the chance of forcing yourself to need two scores? Mike, what are you doing? What are you doing? So McCarthy needs to shore some things up. Atlanta needs to shore some things up. And, you know, they were up 20 points in this game. Not quite 28 to 3, but pretty darn bad again. And the Cowboys didn't look bad, they just had some turnovers. Atlanta took advantage of them. Atlanta played well for the most part. But again, in the second half, just kind of stopped trying, it looked like, offensively, and they paid for it. Um, The other person I was impressed with, Thursday night, Joe Burrow. They lost 35-30 to the the Browns. The Browns looked good for a change, but albeit it was against... 
um, the Bengals. But Joe Burrow threw the ball 61 times. That is a lot to put on a young man who is in his second NFL game. So hats off to him. He played well. He had the fumble. But look, that's a young team. He's looking very much like a guy who's going to take his lumps this year, but could grow and blossom into a, an elite quarterback. So good for him. Injuries were another big topic here in Week 2. I don't know if it's the fact that we had a shortened uh, a shortened preseason with no games or, or what it is exactly, but it is... Um, it is, it, it's alarming. We've had a lot, a lot of injuries. And uh, no one got hit harder than the 49ers who lost uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the running back Mosert, and uh, and Bosa. All in, in one game against the Jets. Just not good. Not good at all. Um, that, that amount of injuries, uh, that affects a team long term. And they've got a serious problem on their hands now. Uh, this is a team that I thought was going to contend for the West. Um, I didn't. I didn't have them. I didn't have them winning the West, but I did have them making the wild card. And now, after seeing them last week against an improved Arizona team, and after all the injuries this week, man, you really have to wonder if if they're going to be able to do that. Those are really big injuries. Bosa is probably the biggest injury, but offensively. When you lose your starting quarterback and a starting running back, that's tough and um, and a real problem for them. The Giants lost Saquon Barkley likely for the season. Uh, look, the Giants weren't going to be contenders this year anyway, but you wanted to see the maturation process of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and see how that offense was going to develop. They played a pretty decent game against the Bears in spite of that uh, in Chicago, but it's that's a big injury for the Giants offense because now teams will most definitely key in on Daniel Jones and it puts a lot of pressure on a rookie quarterback when he doesn't have a running game to help him out. Uh, so that's that's a problem. For teams that, uh, that, that should be hitting the panic button, the Minnesota Vikings need to hit the panic button. Um, they got drubbed on Sunday by the Colts, 28-11. to They were never in the game. Kirk Cousins looks terrible. I'm not sure what the problem is, but it's not pretty. Whatever it is, they need to get it fixed and get it fixed quick. They're 0-2 now um, in a division that has the Packers at 2-0, the Bears at 2-0, you know, they, they, they could very quickly see the spiral out of control in the next couple of weeks if they don't turn it around, and I mean fast, because they're in a tough division. It's going to be a problem. The Lions are, are, are a decent football team. You know, they, 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 they're not going to get any gimmies here. Uh, the Bills, Bills Mafia, 2-0. Boy, they must be excited up in Buffalo. I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, it came down the wire against a Miami team that I don't feel is very good. Um, so, yeah, they're 2-0, but they've also had a pretty easy uh, first two weeks of the season, right? They've had the Jets and the Dolphins, um, who by everyone's account will be the two worst teams in their division and two of the worst teams in the league, really. So, Bills, there's a there's a probably an overreaction today. Bills at 2-0 are going to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl.
Probably not. Good scheduling. Let's see what happens. Soon they will play uh, bigger games. Tom Brady got his first win as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He hooked up with Mike Evans a couple times, which is obviously the matchup that everyone, or the, the combination that everyone wanted to see. Like, how would Brady do with a nice big target like Mike Evans, who's big, fast, strong, and, uh, you know, you can, you, can, uh, you can use him all over the field. Well, he found him a couple times for big gains, and, uh, you know, it looks, looks, like, uh, looks like he enjoys having him as a target. Uh, it was against the Panthers. It was in Tampa Bay. I don't place a whole lot of stock in it, but they look good. They, they look real good. Um, and, you know, it, I think that's a good football team. We're going to see how it goes, you know. Um, I have them winning the South, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long road to hoe. Um, but there's a bunch of teams that one and one in that division. So it's looking pretty good to, to, to see where we end up with, um, in that division, how Tom Brady does it, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking up the standings right now, and I'm pretty sure everyone in that division is one and one. Oh no, Atlanta, oh, Atlanta and Carolina are 0 and 2. Go figure. Um, the Steelers are 2 and 0, they've looked good two weeks in a row. Denver, uh, Denver's another team that's been hit by the injury bug. Their quarterback and receiver went down. Um, the receiver's out for the season. Uh, their quarterback, Drew Locke, I think is out for three to five weeks. Not, not a good start for them. 0-2 start and uh, a couple of big injuries on offense. Their offense wasn't very good to begin with. And remember, they lost some, some guys on defense that opted out uh, before the season started. So they're really, they're really in a tough spot. But the Steelers are 2-0, and um, and they're looking, they're looking good. Uh, another team that's 2-0 and in that division and looking really good are the Baltimore Ravens. They look like a team that's on a mission. They beat up on the Texans here in Houston. Um, <clears throat> that offense is is tough is tough to beat. I mean, it's just a lot of talent. Lamar Jackson makes it so incredibly difficult to defend against him. He is uh, he's got weapons. He's got speed. He's got a good arm. It's just it's tough defending against him. And defensively, they're a good football team. The Texans are zero and two and. You can have an overreaction here, right? 0-2, there goes the season. They're not going to make the playoffs. But hold on. They've had a tougher uh, strength of schedule, right? They've had the exact opposite of the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they started off the season on Thursday night in Kansas City against the defending champions. That's a tall order for anybody. Now they come back and they have to, albeit at home, they've got to play the second best team in that conference with the Baltimore Ravens. That's not easy. So they're 0-2, but look, that's a rough start for them. And in terms of competition, I think they're gonna be okay. Like I said before, they're the best, they're the best 10 and 6 team you've ever seen, and they're the worst 10 and 6 team you've ever seen. And I think at this point, look, they're the best 0-2 team out there for sure. Um, at the top of that division, you've got the Titans. Uh, they're 2-0 after narrowly beating um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, offensively, they found it a little bit better this week. Defensively, they still kind of have not found it because uh, they have not played tough def- uh, tough offensive teams. You know, they played Denver last week and now <clears throat> um, the Jaguars this week. And they held Denver, uh, but 
Jacksonville scored 30 on them. So that's that's an area of concern. Offensively, I think they're starting to get the hang of it. Uh, they're going to be tough. And that is that is that is really difficult for the Texans, right? Because they've got a team like the Colts ahead of them at 1-1. One and one. The Jaguars have always played them tough at 1-1. One and one. The Titans at 2-0. and oh. It's tough to be two games back this early in the season. Another very entertaining game um, <clears throat> Sunday afternoon. And, and this is one where we're going to get some conversation beyond the game. The Chiefs won 23-20 in overtime in a game that they played terrible. They, they, they never really had, I don't think they had the lead at all during the game. Um, San Diego, uh, I'm sorry, San Diego, I shouldn't say that. Bad me. Los Angeles played a really good game. Tyrod Taylor went out early in the game. The rookie, Justin Herbert, a bear? I don't know. Justin Herbert came in and uh, and really played a magnificent game for a rookie um, and having his first game be against the defending Super Bowl champions, he played a great game. He played really well. Now, ironically, Anthony Lynn has already said that Tyrod Taylor is his starting quarterback when healthy, and they think he will be back this coming week. What? What? Dude, you've got the future standing next to you holding a clipboard. You threw him into the fire against the defending Super Bowl champions. He performed well, and you're going to go back to Tyrod Taylor? What are you doing? What are you doing? You must not want to win at all. I, I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but to me... Justin Herbert won the job on Sunday. Uh, the other thing that was, that stood out from that game, that kicker from the Chiefs is something else. Butker is his name? Bunker or whatever? That guy, in overtime, kicked a 53-yarder, a 58-yarder, and a 58-yarder. Now, only one of those counted, right? But he nailed all three of them. The first one was disallowed because of a penalty that pushed it back five yards. The second one, the Chargers called a timeout. I swear they called it after the ball was snapped, but whatever. This is what they do. He kicked that one and he nailed it. And then the third one, when it was go time for real, he nailed that one. And he kicked a 58-yarder earlier in the game. So hats off to that guy. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of that team. But on Sunday, it was Butker or Bunker or whatever his name is. Um, and then finally, <clears throat> you had the game last night um, between the New Orleans Saints and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Vegas Raiders opened their new stadium in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, it was with no fans. But you wouldn't know it because they played lights out. They played a great game. They are also 2-0 in that division. And they look pretty darn good. Um, I, You know, if you recall from the uh, preview show, I have them, I had a really hard time picking between them and the Colts on whether they would make the wild card uh, simply because they're, I don't think they're going to win the division with the Chiefs there. 
but they look really good. David uh, Derek Carr, I'm sorry, uh, is looking very good, looking every bit of the part of an NFL quarterback, looking like the kind of guy who can lead this football team. He's got running help. He's got a good tight end. He must have thrown the ball to Waller, I don't know, 16, 18 times yesterday. It seemed like every time he threw the ball, it was to Waller, the tight end. He had an unbelievable game. And look, uh, they still have Jacobs, you know, so they can they can pound the ball. Defensively, they're a good football team. They're solid. It, you know, they're not going to be a pushover for anyone in a division that's not that strong. You know, they they could make they can make some some inroads here towards a playoff spot. But they looked really good last night. The Saints, uh, great offense. Defensively, still have a lot of holes, and um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't like to complain about referees, but if I was New Orleans, I sure would. It seemed like they got a couple of really bad calls last night, a pass interference late in the game that I felt cost them. Um, offensively, they look great. Defensively, they still look porous, and it's going to be tough if they don't if they don't figure out how to fix that defense. And I don't know that that's going to happen. So. That's why I don't have them winning the South. I don't think they're that much better than the Bucks. But anyway, uh, I do think they're a playoff team. So that is the wrap on week two of the NFL season. Share your thoughts with us. You can email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com. Positivesports10 at gmail.com. If you want to reach me, you can do so on Twitter at emontana twenty one. If you want to reach my brother, Alex, you can do so on Twitter as well, at BrooklynGaucho1, I think. I'm positive. I'm sure. Sure of it. BrooklynGaucho1. Um, and uh, get ready for another fantastic week of sports. Uh, baseball coming to an end. We'll, we'll know our playoff seedings um, by our next episode, and we'll, we'll be ready to get into October baseball. And um, and then you know the NBA will be in the the, fi- the NBA finals will be right around the corner, and we'll have week three of the NFL season as always. That brings us to the end of another wonderful episode. As always, folks, ignore the negativity, be the positivity. Peace.